For a few moments, if you will, turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I want to begin reading with verse number 1. I'm going to read verse 1 and 2. Then I'm going to jump over to the book of Hebrews chapter 3. Begin reading from verse number 7. First of all, let's go to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And we will begin reading with verse number 1. And it said, "When We then, as workers together with Him, beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. You better underline that portion of that verse and read it often. Because we need to make sure that we do not frustrate or receive the grace of God to none effect. That it doesn't produce something in our life. For he said, reaching back to an Old Testament prophecy, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now, everybody say now. Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Hebrews chapter 3, verse number 7, the writer will hear his voice. The ghost saith, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation, and said, they do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Underline those two statements. They have erred in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, that they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, therefore, there, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. I love that word, in departing, in erring, in being untrue to the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today. There is that word again. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said again today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. If you will allow me to, I would like to go back to the book of 2 Corinthians and I want to read that sixth chapter from the message translation. If you'll just indulge me for a few moments, I think it will give a little more clarity to what I feel in my heart to say today. It reads like this, Companions, as we are in this work with you, we beg you, please don't squander one bit of this marvelous life God has given us. 
God reminds us, I have heard your call in the nick of time. The day you needed me, I was there to help. Well now, in the right, now, now is the right time to listen. The day to be helped. Don't put it off. Don't frustrate God's work by showing up late. Amen. Throwing question mark over everything we're doing. Our work as God's servants gets validated or not in the details. People are watching us as we stay at our post. Alertly, unswervingly, in hard times, tough times, bad times. When we're beaten up, jailed and mobbed, working hard, working late, working without eating. With pure heart, clear head, steady hand. In gentleness, holiness, and honest love, when we're telling the truth, and when God's showing His power, when we're doing our best setting things right, when we're praised and when we're blamed, slandered and honored, true to our word, though distrusted, ignored by the world, but recognized by God, terrifically alive, though rumored to be dead. <laughs> Beaten within an inch of our life, but refusing to die. Immersed in tears, yet always filled with deep joy. Living on handouts, yet enriched many. Having nothing, having it all. Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you because your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. Don't become partners with those who reject God. Amen. Don't become partners with those who reject God. I have been stirred this week by these two passages in Corinthians and Romans. And I really do not come this morning with a sermon to deliver to you, but a challenge. Last Sunday morning, I tried to preach to you or speak to you about the resurrection effect. And when service was over, Brother Chris gave me my message for today. And I don't know if he had it in this particular mind, but somehow through the week it has worked on my thinking. We talked about what happened at the resurrection and what his blood purchased, what his sacrifice secured, and what his pardon uh, granted to us through His mercy was what His wounding paid for and the healing that His stripes secured for our lives and the hope that His message sends to all of us. That, my friend, is the resurrection effect. But the question that comes to me this morning is now that the victory has been won and now that salvation has been secured, what are we doing with what we have been given. Amen. Are we living 
abundantly? Are we living miserly? Do we feel cramped or do we feel this expansive, wide open space and opportunity that is before us? What are we doing with what God has given to us through His salvation? Am I laying hold of His miraculous power? Am I possessing all of His promises? And am I enjoying the full benefits of His blessings? When I read these texts and they came to me in the early hours of the morning, I was challenged by the urgency that they speak to my spirit, the necessity and the need of the present moment of the now in which we live. I am moved by the present opportunity that is presented to us through the Scripture. It moves me to want to do something. I When I sit and and read it, I cannot sit in my spirit, but something in me wants to stand up and lay claim to what these words are declaring to me. That now is the accepted time. And now is the day of salvation. And today, while it is called today, seize that moment that is before you. Amen. They express both a need and an opportunity. The need is that we recognize the opportunity. That we recognize what is ours. That we are alert, awake. That we are sensible, not sleep. Communicates to me that we lay hold of that opportunity. It communicates to me a need to seize something. To lay hands on it. To grab it. To appropriate it into my own life. The present opportunity that God is presenting me through His grace. What am I doing with it this morning? Make sure that I don't miss what God has provided. The clarion cry comes clear to us this morning. Don't miss what God is offering now. Don't miss what God is preparing for you Today, would you say those two words with me now, today, now, today, now, today, amen, not tomorrow, not next week, but now, today, both of them speak of the present moment, they are verbs of date or time, they are verbs of transition, Moving me from one place to another. There is a given time. There is an hour or a season that has opened to me. There is a tide that has come my way that offers its opportunity. And it is obvious that from the opportunity must come an immediacy of my own action. I must do something with what God has offered me. To me, they express more than just a word or a thought. But to me, when I read these verses, they express the heartbeat of God. This is what God is wanting for me to grasp this morning. That whatever I need, whatever I desire, whatever my life is lacking, whatever I don't have, there is provided for me today that opportunity. There is given to me today because of Calvary a chance to walk through a veil that would keep me from Him in the past. But now it's ripped in half and the door is open so that I can walk into His presence. 
and make my requests known to Him. Amen. They express God's desire and the wishes of His own Spirit for my own life. This is God's heartbeat. His grace has provided me opportunity. Amen. Everybody say opportunity. An opportunity to escape the life of sin. If you're here this morning and you are wrestling with a life of sin, I'm here to tell you that there's opportunity for you to escape that today. You can break that hole that sin has over your life because of the blood, because of the price that He paid. There's not only the opportunity to escape from sin, but there's the opportunity to live victoriously, to live abundantly, not just to get by, but to thrive and live abundantly above anything that anybody could even tell you is possible. There's something about living for God that enriches my life. It's made me better every day that I've lived it. I'm not worse today than I was when I started walking with Him. I'm better today. Is there anybody else in the house that feels that way? Oh, hallelujah. I've got news for all the naysayers. This isn't a burden and this isn't a drag. This is the greatest blessing that I've ever come across in my whole life. Amen. It's better than the best best tip you've ever gotten on Wall Street. Amen. It's better than any advice the wisest counselor has ever given world. Amen. I've been to that realm of life in Him. It's a whole new world. Amen. I don't have to go home at night wondering where I was and wake up in the morning wondering what I did. I know what I have been, where I have been, and I know what I've done. I've been in the presence of Jesus and I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not embarrassed to tell you that I love Him. And I praise Him this morning. Amen. Today and now are words that assertively reach out and claim the powerful working of God for this hour. They lay hold of the untapped resources of God. What God has done is simply a testimony of what He will do. And when Paul was writing to the Corinthians, he reached back into the Old Testament messianic promises of the coming Messiah. And he went to the book of Isaiah chapter 49, verse 8 and 9. And it said, Thus saith the Lord, In an acceptable time have I heard thee, and in a day of salvation have I helped thee. I will preserve thee and give thee for a covenant of the people to establish the earth, to cause to inherit the desolate heritage that thou mayest say to the prisoner, Go forth to them that are in darkness, shew yourself. They shall feed in the ways and their pastures shall be in all high places. And when Paul reached back to that old messianic promise, he brought it into the present moment. And he said, and I'm here to declare to you that today is that day that he is talking about. And now is that time that he has prophesied. Today is the day to be free. Today is the day to be healed. Today is the day to come out of darkness and sit in His marvelous light. Somebody ought to clap your hands for that promise right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Paul stepped right into the middle of that passage and he laid claim to what it promises for the present hour. I just wonder how many other promises 
are hidden in this book. That God is waiting on somebody just to reach out and lay hold and pull it into the present and say, that's not a past thing. That's a present thing. That's not something God did. That's something that God still wants to do. That's not something that He was. That's something that He is right now. He is my deliverer. He is my high tower. He is my help. He is my strength. He is my God. He is my Savior. Oh, I wish somebody could reach out and take hold of a promise and bring it into your present situation and say, this is mine. Now. Everybody say, now. Now is the time. Now is the present accepted day. When the writer of Hebrews was writing to the church, he referenced another time in Israel's past their pilgrimage to the promised land. He speaks of a rebellious time and an incident in their pilgrimage known as the Massa and Mariba incident. Israel had been thirsty and they railed against Moses for their thirst and they regretted leaving Egypt. God told him what to do. Speak to the rock and there will be water that will come forth. But Moses, in his anger... Decided not to speak, but to strike. And he smote the rock. The water came, but at such a cost. God began to obedience to me. Out of your distrust of me. And because of your disobedience to me. I'm not going to allow you to take these people into the promised land. And it became a very clear message to all who would live after That we need to walk carefully when it comes to the point of obedience before God. That we need to make sure that we do not allow our distrust or our unbelief to mar what God said He could do in our life if we would simply let Him do it. I don't care what your sin problem is. I don't care how black and ugly your past is. I don't care what your failures have been. When you stand before Him, there is blood that is sufficient to cover every sin and remit every fault that has ever been in your life. Hallelujah. And so again, the writer reaches out and he lays claim to that promise. Today, everybody say today, today. While it is still today, lay claim to that. Do not frustrate the grace of God. Do not frustrate what God is trying to bring to pass in your life. My subject this morning is the salvation effect. Amen. What are we doing with what God has provided for us? What are you doing with the blood that He shed for your life? Are you walking past it and allowing its healing virtue to go unchecked and go unhelped and unheeded? Are you walking by with fear in your heart today and distrust all over your life when all you need to do is just stop and say, Lord, if you were able to do it then, you can certainly do it now. If you can help them in that situation, you can help me in mine today. Amen. Paul states simply that in failing to grasp this, we are actually frustrating the grace of God. If we do not seize the opportunity and we do not claim it as our own, God's grace 
has been frustrated. Now you hear me this morning when I tell you that God's grace gives us every chance and every opportunity we need to succeed. Amen. Everybody in this building needs to hear that. God's grace gives us everything that we need to succeed in life. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what your problems are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've thought. I don't care what you've said. You haven't said enough. You haven't done enough. You haven't gone far enough that His blood can't reach you and His mercy cannot help you. (laughs) I wish somebody would believe that today. I don't care how deep into it you've gotten. I'm telling you, there's an arm long enough to reach far enough that He can get you out of that mess that you're in right now. Hallelujah. God's grace offers every opportunity for me to improve my life. There is no excuse for me to live a paltry life. There's no excuse for me just to get by and drag from service to service and wonder if I'm going to make it through this week. It doesn't, Paul said it doesn't matter what you're going through. Beat down, beat up. It doesn't matter if you're prospering or you're in need. It doesn't matter your condition. God's provision is greater than your condition. Whoa! <laughs> Do I need to remind? Do I need to read Romans again to you from the message? Do I need, or Corinthians? Do I need to remind you again that it doesn't matter what your situation is? God's grace is greater than your problem. God's grace has provided. It has made a way. It's opened doors of opportunities. For me to improve my life. And all that I've got to do is just reach out and grasp it. And say now. Now. Today. I'm not waiting another service. I'm not carrying this burden another day. I'm not carrying this guilt on my life another day. I'm not living in this sin and frustration another day. Today is my day. Now is my time. Hallelujah. Here's what I've come to realize in life. We can address the future with fear or we can address the future with faith. We can hesitate with doubt or we can move with decision. But the choice is mine. Suppose that I do fail. Would it be because we could not or would it be because we would not? Let me ask you that question again. Suppose that I do fail. Would it be because I could not or would it be simply because I would not? Not because we don't have the ability, but because we don't try. You know what I've learned about God? It doesn't matter how many times I fall down as long as I get back up. Amen. God's not trying to find a perfect person. He's trying to make a perfect person out of me. And He knows that in this flesh dwells no good thing. He knows more about me than I know about me. 
So He's not measuring me by that flesh. He is measuring my life by what His grace can do in my life when I give it the opportunity, when I open the door and say, come on in. Come on, grace. Do your work in my life. Come on, mercy. Help me out of this situation. Come on, make me a better man. Make me a better woman. Help me to live a a better life. Don't let me die in this mess that I'm living in right now. And so I have the opportunity when I look toward the future and I live in the present, I can either walk hesitantly or I can walk confidently knowing that surrounding me is enough mercy to make up for every shortcoming that I have. It's not an excuse for me to keep going on sinning. That's not what mercy or grace is. It's an opportunity for me to get out of it. And it's always there. It surrounds every one of you right now. It doesn't matter what your heart is. It doesn't matter what your problem There's grace around you right now that says, come on. Come on, you can get out of that. Come on, you're better than that. God created you for higher things than that. You've got something to give me. You've got something to do for me. Clap your hands to the Lord and give Him praise. Hallelujah. (coughs) One of these days, I'm going to die. I've come to realize that. If the Lord tarries, I am going to die. But I don't want to die wondering if I've done all that I could do. Amen. I don't want to come to the end of my life and wonder if I missed an opportunity. When that time comes, I want it to be said of me as it was said of the mad climbing, trying to scale another treacherous peak. He died climbing. Amen. He died climbing. I've said it before and I'm going to say it again. If the Lord tarries and I get old enough that I've lost all my teeth and all my hair, I'm going to gum it and I'm going to do it bald. Either whatever the case might be. But I'm not sitting down and I'm not backing up and I'm not going to become a miser. I'm not going to let what the economy is doing determine what God wants to do because I've seen God do great things when the economy was in the tank. I've seen God make a way when nobody could make a way. I've seen God provide when nobody knew what to do next. God opened the door. God made a way. He saved you. And He kept you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to know what is salvation doing in your life right now. Are you enjoying the full benefits of what He purchased on that resurrection morning? Amen. I don't want to miss one opportunity God presents us. I don't want to miss one chance. I, I don't want fear to, to, to drive me or unbelief to shackle me. I don't want doubt or disobedience to mar what God would want to do. I'm not trying to live crazy and reckless. But there's one thing I have figured out about God. You can't figure God out. You keep your little notepad. You write all the notes you want to write. But there's going to come a day you're going to tear that notepad up because nothing you wrote down came to pass. But everything you didn't think could come to pass did come to pass. 
Because God's not tied to what I can do. He's not limited to my resources. He's got a treasure house full of things. He's got people that we don't even know of that have a means of helping provide for us. And we don't even know it. Man. Many of you are here today because of that miraculous power. The reason some of you still have a job is because when the economy went in the tank, God put His hand over you and shadowed you in a, in a workplace so that you would not be fired. And in the process, He elevated you through a system that didn't even know you were still there. You shouldn't even still be in the building. But God's hand was on you. And He kept you and made a way for you and made sure that you would get through whatever that dilemma that you were facing at that moment. And the reason you have a house and the reason you drive a car and the reason you have a sane mind this morning is because God put His hand over your life and said, Oh no, that's my child. I'm going to make a way. I'm going to provide for them. Hallelujah. Amen. I don't want to miss what God has prepared for me. I hold in my hand today a 61-page miracle. Several years ago when we built this family center, The last thing that the city told us is this was the last building that they would allow to be built on this property. That we were landlocked. Because of detention issues for 20 years that we have wrestled with. And we never knew that there was a solution until a storm named Harvey blew through and blew open a door that we didn't even know existed. For 20 years, for 20 years, brother, brother Long, wave your hand. That man has had to drag a pump back to the back because the city would not address a detention problem. They blamed it on us. And so they wanted us to take in the rest of our green space into a one foot deep ditch to cover our detention system. And all the time we were wrestling with them, the answer to our problem was right in front of us. And we didn't even know it. Nine feet underground across the front of our property was a dot detention system that was more than sufficient to handle the problems that we have incurred for 20 years. And because a storm blew through and a door was open, we didn't even know was there. We made petition. And this week, we got it. It's a permit. It's not a wish. It is a fact. We have a written, signed permit that said, yes, you can redo that detention. And by redoing that detention, you can open your property to the building that you need to build. To what God has provided for the future of this church. I'm here to tell somebody this morning. You're too late to tell me that God cannot do it. Somebody needs to wade into God's grace today. Somebody needs to wade into His mercy and say, Now, now, today, today, this is my hour. (laughs) Come on, clap your hands and praise Him, everybody. (laughs) You can remain standing Somebody said, Brother Hughes, are you afraid? Yes, I am.
But I've also decided when what time I am afraid, I will trust. I don't know how the next stage is going to be, but I know that this is the first of many miracles that are to come. I was thinking this morning, somebody asked me one time, well, what's the reason for this? And I looked at him and I thought, what do you mean, what's the reason for this? And I kind of got the opinion or the, the idea. They, they thought that I might be building or wanting to build this to put a feather in my hat. I don't have a hat. I don't have one. I don't wear them very often. I'm not thinking of this because of what it would make us look like. I'm thinking about the future of Clear Lake and what needs to be in place for the revival that all of us have said is coming and all of us have prayed is coming and all of the friends and the family that you've been believing God for. Hey, if we don't open that door, if we don't step in and say, okay, God, I don't know how, but I know now is the time. I don't know exactly what to do, but I know today is the day for me to get off of my little seat of do-nothing and commit myself. You know what we need right now? We need now faith. I said we need now faith. I don't care how much faith you've had in God in the past. I need to let my faith now. Say, brother, you don't drag me into your dilemma. I'm not dragging you into my dilemma. I'm trying to pull you into a promise. I'm trying to challenge you to step into something that's greater than any of us can even imagine. We need now faith. I'm going to tell you what else we need. We need now worshipers. Jesus dealt with the woman at the well. And he said to her, now the time is... The Father now seeks worshipers that will worship me in spirit and in truth. You know what I perceive that scripture to mean? That there is a possibility that I could function in one realm of worship, but not function in the fullness of worship. And that is, I can have the right words to say. I can sing every word that's on that screen. But that's not the full depth of worship. The full depth of worship is when I'm sitting back here on one of these pews and we're singing about the glory of God and I step out and say, now, that's the glory for my life. That's the power that's available for my life. It's when I step in and I become a part of that worship. It becomes more than vocal. It becomes more than just some outward thing. I connect myself to what God has said, what God has promised. And when you do that, miraculous things begin to happen. Miraculous doors begin to open. When you become a true worshiper, you forget about what everybody's... You sell out. You become a little radical. It makes some people uncomfortable. That's all right. They'd be uncomfortable anyway. Hey, if you want dead church, there's a lot of them I could recommend around here. I'm not interested in dead church. 
I'm not interested in formality. I'm not, I'm not here to, to, to butcher the king's English. And I'm sure not here to, to make anybody uncomfortable. But I am here to exalt the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I am here to reach out to what He purchased at Calvary and say, Now, now, today's the day. This is the hour for us to enjoy it. This is the time for us to live this. This is the time for us to see this. Now, faith. Now, worship. We need that. Now. 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 Say it with me. Now. Now. It's our day. It's our time. Amen. Young people, I'm not going to live long enough to see all the blessings of that building. But you can. Matter of fact, some of you young people sitting here, you better get on the ball. Because if you don't, God's going to find somebody that's going to get on the ball and commit to Him, not just in a convenient way, but in a sold-out way. Because that's what it's going to take to carry this on to the next generation. Not just showing up on Sunday, but being here for prayer, being here for committing yourself to other things. Yeah, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a pastor to you for a few moments this morning. You're not going to build the church based on what some of us have been doing. Amen. You're going to find a way. You're not going to let anything deter you. I don't care what's going on on Saturday night. I don't care who's playing. I don't care what's showing. I don't care what other opportunities. The greatest opportunity is right here. And I want to connect to that opportunity. I want to get involved in what God is doing right now. Is there anybody here that's interested in the now? I said, is there anybody here that's interested in the now? Are you interested in what God is up to today? Come on. We made the theory.